Yeah. Oh, yeah. My inner Billy Graham is coming out now. Oh, that is great. Well, we are so glad that you're here. And um, I want you to know that you're important to us. And you're important to the Lord. And we hope that message is clear this morning. Let's pray together. God, you are welcome here. In so many ways, we have communicated and lifted our praise to you. Precious Hosanna, we ask that you would come as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And just like you rode into Jerusalem, we pray that you'll ride into our hearts, that we'll be open, that we'll open the gates of our hearts in a way that you can enter in. Lord, I pray for my words and our prayers together, and may they be acceptable unto you. Hosanna, our Lord. Amen. Well, I want to read a scripture for you that comes from Matthew chapter 16 and uh, verses 13 through 21. And Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. Jesus asked his disciples, who do the people say that I am? And they replied, John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said this, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And then he goes on to say, the Gospel writer, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Several years ago, there was a book written. It was revised not too long ago, entitled The 100. And Michael Hart, who was the author, was an astrophysicist, a scientist, but he studied history. And the question he had in this book, who are the 100 most influential people in history? Who are the 100 folks that had the deepest impact on human history? Who are the 100 that were historic game changers who would change everyone and everything? Now, some of them we may like, some of them we may not. But his list included a variety of folk. And one of those was Sigmund Freud, who brought us psychoanalysis and really ushered in the whole science of psychology. And then Louis Pasteur, the French chemist and biologist, who came up with the concept of germs spreading from human being to human being. 
and how disease can bring illness and death. And today we are grateful for him because he also showed us the value of being inoculated. And so the life expectancy has been lengthened because of his great contributions as a French scientist. He brought modern science, modern medicine to us. Now, if you're like me, if you look at this book, immediately you're interested. Now, where does Jesus fall? Where does Jesus Christ fall in that list of 100? Well, it's interesting what he says. He, he says, Jesus was the leader of the most influential religion in the world. I would agree with him. He says this, Jesus had an extraordinary, impressive personality. Nice compliment. But what's interesting to me is he put Jesus Christ in his top 100, and he had the audacity to rank them. He put Jesus as number three. Now, just above him in the number two position was Isaac Newton. I mean, I want you to envision this. If there was a conference of that 100 collected folk, and they, and they were gathered together, and all these persons together joined, and they had conversations, can you imagine Isaac Newton talking to Jesus Christ? And he says, look, I've learned through the planets, and, and look how there is a rotation to all of this, and, and the sun, and Jesus says, yes, I know all of that, I made it. And so, in this text, in this book, he does something for us. He raises a question. Hart is attempting to answer a question that every single person should answer. What will you make of Jesus? What will you make of Jesus? Who do you say that he is? You have to answer this. I have to answer this. And Michael Hart had to answer this. And the way we answer that question, what do we make of Jesus, will affect everything in our life. And what's interesting is the first time it was ever posed to us, we find it in Matthew chapter 16 that we read earlier. But I want to set, set the stage for you in how God revealed himself Jesus, in a wonderful way, was creative. He was very guarded at first, but very intentional about rolling out his revelation. And he creatively introduced himself to his listeners. And he masterfully revealed himself through stories and parables. He performed miracles. He raised questions. He compassionately served people. And in this case, with his disciples, he reveals himself through conversation. And so we pick up with this final chapter, these final chapters of his earthly life, and Jesus is gathering around his disciples. He's wrapping up this journey, and he predicts in verse 21 his own death, preceded by suffering. It would be like coming to the end of a semester. Some of you may remember how you drew near to finals week. And you had those finals in front of you. And, and maybe during the semester there was a, 
a pop quiz, and toward the end there was a, a pop quiz. I hated pop quizzes. They're, they're, they're cruel in the, in the truest sense of the word. And, and they're, they're blindsiders. And, and Jesus kind of blindsides the disciples and He says, Hey, who do they say that I am? What's the word on the street? And some of them say, well, you know, John the Baptist. Jesus, you're a little eccentric. John was too. Or Elijah, you have a lot of resemblance. You, you even have a physical appearance of Elijah. And then there's the weeping prophet. Jesus, sometimes you can be a little negative. You remind us of Jeremiah. And I believe that there were probably some other words and descriptions that the gospel writer did not record. One was, Jesus, some say you're a magician. That these aren't really miracles. That this is a hoax. And another one would say, Ah, oh, you are a madman. You are a lunatic. And we got to be honest, there have been some strange things you've done in front of us. So what he was reading, what he was sensing, was kind of a skewed image of, of himself and what they perceived God as. And some of us can have skewed images of who God is. God concepts that are distorted. This morning we had a baptism of an infant, and that is so important because we believe a couple of things in that. We believe that child is marked by God, has the image of God on him. We believe we have a role as parents to raise that child. And as a church, we have a responsibility to provide a children's ministry and student ministry that disciples our young people. And I really believe that, that parents are a skylight to who God is. And the church plays a role in being a skylight to who God is. But sometimes we have sent the wrong messages. Some of us have the concept of God that He is a, a heavenly policeman. A gotcha God. And He's looking for every wrong that you might do. And He's just around the corner to catch you. And to put you on restriction. To righteous citation. Another skewed image of God is an apathetic old man who's in heaven and who could care really less. He spun the world into motion, but he doesn't really care about the details of your life. Or maybe the cosmic vending machine. You put in the prayer, and at the bottom you get whatever you want. Or a careless, preoccupied parent who really doesn't care about the decisions you make. Anything goes. You just kind of pick your own lifestyle. And so we get these distorted and out of balance understandings of, of who God is. And, and some have tagged Jesus correctly. Some have said he's a great teacher. He's deep and insightful as a, as a rabbi, as a teacher. But you know what's interesting? There is little he said that others haven't already said. There's little that he's been quoted on that others have not already said. And you may see him as remarkable in that what he taught, he did. And so some say, well, you know, he's a great and insightful and deep rabbi teacher, didactic in form. Others would say, oh, yes, he's remarkable as a great example. That is helpful. 
But for some of us today, it can be discouraging that he was such a good example. Because we ask the question, how will we ever measure up? How will we ever meet that standard that he set? It's kind of like the second baseman for the Braves. A gifted athlete. And you know, I could watch on TV and look at some of the fielding techniques. And, and, and I could even go to Turner Field and try to, try to get a, a strong arm and, and, and know exactly when to execute the throw and how to, how to field the ball by watching the second baseman. And I could even go to a clinic for a week. And I might pick up on a few things, but I know that that second baseman, that professional would be frustrated, and I would be frustrated. I wouldn't even make it for a farm team. And so in the same way, Christ was such a great example, but in that, if he's simply a great example, then we're going to be nothing but frustrated because we fall short. Romans 3.23 says, For all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and missed the mark. And so, it's more than a teacher. He's more than an example. Peter understood that the definitions lacked one thing that could make all the difference in the world. That Jesus was more than an educator. He was more than a great example. He was more than the leader that had the most influence on the most influential religion. More than just a good personality. He was something greater he was that one that would redeem him, that would save him. He was that one that could do for him something he couldn't do for himself. Do you remember the college semester and, you, and you'd be working towards finals and you had a pop quiz likened to what Jesus did, an oral pop quiz. Who do they say that I am? And then he wants to know has the light come on? Have you ever been in a semester where, where you wondered if that light would ever come on? <laughs> and maybe you got to finals, and, and there's the final exam, and you still aren't sure the light has come on. And if you look at some of my grades, you'll see the light never came on. And, and that was the moment for Peter, because he, he, Jesus wanted to see, has the light really come on? And he says, Peter, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter. Oh. Peter's kind of like I was. Uh, I remember going on my first date. It was a blind date with Delia. And I remember coming, coming back to the apartment and my roommate said, Stefan, by the way you describe her, I think you're going to marry that woman. And you know what? He was a prophet. And, and I... I I was attracted to her, but I didn't know that was the case. But more and more, the light came on. And then I had to convince her to get her to have the light to come on. And the light had come on for Peter. And you know, we're hard on Peter. But this was a shining moment for him. Because he responded like this. It says in the Bible, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You're it, Jesus. 
You're the real deal. It's interesting when Jesus said, I need to wash you. Peter in the upper room said, don't just wash my feet. Wash my entire body. I need you. You see, Peter understood that this great example, this great teacher would offer forgiveness for his sins. Would impart righteousness. I want to ask you a question. When was that revealed to you? When did the light come on? For a friend of mine, the light came on in a shower. Isn't that a strange place? While he was showering, he felt like the Lord was saying, you belong to me and I'm setting you apart for my purposes. Another person in our church said he works with with inmates, prisoners. And in a cell, a light came on for a resident, an inmate. And another friend of mine who's called into full-time service, Christian service, was listening to Billy Graham. And on the TV, Billy Graham was in the background and he was sauced, he was stoned. And Billy Graham made an invitation. He said, I looked and I saw those people coming out of the stands and I knelt in front of the TV and I said, God, i got to have this. And he turned his back on everything else that was destructive. Or maybe a quiet place. Or on the front step of a church. When I was serving Doles United Methodist over on Thomaston Road, a fellow hadn't been in church in a long time. He came back. I said, why are you back? It's good to have you. I'm glad you're here. What brought you here? He said, well, I got a message. He said, I was downtown. I was in my S10 pickup, Chevy pickup. I was sitting at an intersection, and I could tell that a drunk guy was behind me. He was barreling over the hill, down the hill, ran into the back of my truck, threw me, threw the truck, up the stairs of a downtown church. He said, without question, I needed to be here today. And so I don't know when it was that it was revealed to you, but i got to say this. Today might be just that day where the light comes on, where the Holy Spirit is working in you, and this is your moment. And some of you may be saying, you know, Tim... I've started this journey. I don't feel very confident. I want to say, way to go. The fact that you're here today is a start. And the fact that you're here today is a reminder that you belong to us. But more importantly, you belong to the Lord. And He longs for you. And so how you answer that question. Who do you say Jesus is? It will impact how you spend your money, how you spend your time, what your calendar will look like, what your checkbook will look like, your speech, the words that come from your mouth, who you hang out with, how you go through pain and suffering. It is the most critical question that you could ever ask. And I want to say to you, by answering that question, who is Jesus? Like Peter did, you have abundant life, life in full, rich, deep, wide, and you have eternal life. You'll be in the presence of God forever. 
if you ask Christ into your life. You know, we've asked the question very honestly, who is Jesus? And we've let Jesus answer that question through the I am statements. And what we found is he says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the flock. I am the bread of life and I will fill that inner hunger in you. I am the vine and you are the branches and connected to me. You will have life and you will bear much fruit. You will have purpose for I am the source of life. I am the way, the truth and the life. And so what Peter was saying was this. On this Palm Sunday, we hear him saying, and it reverberated through history when he said it, you are the Messiah. And in that moment, God blessed him. He said, you are blessed, Peter. Simon Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. And flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. In other words, you didn't get this on your own. It came from the Holy Spirit. And the wonderful thing today is that God has been working and orchestrating a number of events and a number of people, persons, to enter into your life so that that life light comes on. And you recognize Christ as Peter did. As Savior who is a friend. And that friend invites you to come to him today. Listen to the words of that friend. He says, there's no greater love than for one to lay down his life for a friend. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He's a friend that redeemed us. That Savior friend in Jesus Christ invites you into a relationship with Him this day. And as our praise team comes, as our worship band comes, I want you to bow your heads if you would. And I'd like for you to close your eyes. And I didn't really plan on doing this, but I, I just want us to take a moment. And as that breeze blows through this parking lot, I want it to be a reminder for us that the Holy Spirit blows through our lives. And He longs for us to be filled with that Spirit. May it be that our hearts are open to Him today. If you'd like to receive Christ today, come forward. We'd love to receive you into the life of this church, but more importantly, into a relationship with Christ. If you'd like to receive Christ today, but you want more answers to your questions, I invite you to speak to one of our staff, to Anthony, to myself, to Ashley Griffin, our youth pastor, whoever. But be open to the Holy Spirit as He desires to reveal Himself to you in these moments.